Hello, late night listeners. Uh, this is Brian, and I wanted to let you know that we have a Patreon. It's a really fun thing. It's a great way to support the show, and it gets you access to all kinds of exclusive stuff. We have exclusive mini episodes. We have videos of me, for example, writing music for various things of the show. Leighton's doing all sorts of stuff, and it's just a really fun community. You also get access to our Discord if you sign up for our $5 a month tier or up. So uh, if you like the show and you like what you hear, please check us out over on Patreon. It's really a great way to to support us. Thanks so much, and enjoy Late Night with Brian Wecht! It's my Don Pardo impression. Uh, well, hello, Brian. Hi, Layton. It would appear that we both are Busy little bees, and yet we are here. It's <laughs> my one day back home in between two trips, one of which is international. Wow. Where the fuck have you been? So I had a very exciting trip back to the East Coast for my 25th college reunion. Damn. Yep. Why would you do that? Because of friends. Okay. So I, I went to Williams College, which is a small college in Western Massachusetts, and I'm very close with my college friends. So it was awesome to see all these people I hadn't seen in a very long time. You know, it's like that cliche of you just pick it back up. And right, yeah. I've seen people a couple times on and off over the years. I mean, my core group of friends and I are in regular touch, but it was that like next group, which I was like super close with and haven't really stayed in touch with. Right. That I got to see again. And man, oh, it was so good to see them. I mean, just wonderful people. You know, we're all in our late 40s now and some people have done really interesting stuff and, you know, we're just like cool people. So uh, it was a great time. I'm really glad that I went. So, yeah. Amazing. And then got to go to Jersey for a little bit, saw my sister and some other friends, got to see Game Grumps live in New York by total coincidence. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Just happened to be in town at the same time. And it was a great live show. And actually, I think I'm going to see him again on my next trip, which is to the shining metropolis of Toronto, Canada. Wow. Diehard fan right there. Hell yeah. So I'm going up to record some new Ninja Sex Party tracks. What? With Twerp, yes. <laughs> Talk about a fucker of a day. I had planned a week there to record some new tracks, then film a smooth jazz music video <gasps> that I, you know, extended my trip out there for. And you can probably see where this is going. Mm -hmm. You know, spent more money on an Airbnb. And I get an email from the director this morning who's like hey man real sorry can't do it bye well and i talked to him and i'm like what's up dude we were emailing two weeks ago and you said everything was on track and quote these things really come together at the last minute so i shouldn't worry and turns out it didn't come together at the last minute and it's not like he wasn't just doing it for frivolous reasons right he had a reasonable excuse and is a nice guy, and I'm sure did not do this lightly, but... That is a bummer. Still. What are you going to do with your time? Uh, I don't know. I guess I got to hang out with Twerp. Uh, disgusting. Yeah. But just coming off a trip, I did kind of want to, you know, see my family a little more. So, oh well. Yeah, that's fair. It's very infuriating, those like... This thing that's been in the works for months now, and yeah. it was going to be the flagship video for this Smooth Jazz album, and now it's like, well, I don't know what to do. 
I mean, the album will still come out. I don't know what the video situation will be. I'm sure we'll get it done one way or the other, but it's that feeling that we've all had where it's like solved a problem. Oh, wait, no, you didn't. Yeah, that's a bummer. Well, Trey Magnifique will shine another day. Indeed. Yes. And I have to say, I've been getting mixes from Commander Meowch all throughout the last few weeks, and the album is shaping up to be really, really special. I'm very excited about it. So I'm sure we'll figure it out, but oh, I would have rather not spent that money on a trip that I don't need to do. Yeah. How's your single day back that you're kindly recording an episode and also a mini-sode on? Indeed, indeed. That's great. You know, I came back on Father's Day. Today is the 20th of June. Happy 420, everybody, of course. And <laughs> Happy 420. Yes, happy 420. Happy Father 20, I should say. And I got to see several people in my family, most notably my daughter, who is awesome. And they gave me a couple Father's Day gifts, including a like doormat for my garage that goes outside, which is 8-bit link and says, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this. So it's very nice. Yeah, your wife was telling me about that doormat. It's extremely cute. That's right. So you had, uh, you went on a little date with my wife. I sure as heck did. Do you want to tell everybody about it? Yeah, thank you for facilitating the hot date that I had with your wife. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We went to go see Weird Al and mm. Emo Phillips at the Wiltern yeah. in Los Angeles. Now tell me, had you heard Emo before? I can't remember. Despite you recommending him several times, no. So I'm glad that I got to experience first time in person. And? Made a lot about you make sense. <laughs> and was very, very funny. Isn't he the best? Do you remember anything offhand? Any any of his jokes? I think my favorite bit was a man came up to me in the park the other day and asked, do you know where you're going when you die? Which is a very flattering and unpleasant pickup line from a necrophiliac. <laughs> <laughs> That's an emo joke. Yeah, the line went all the way around the building. And I just got to say, Weird Al fans make for a fascinating group of people watching. Yes, Rachel told me her line, which I really liked. I don't know if you <laughs> Oh, I know exactly this. what you're going to say because it cracked me up. <laughs> yeah, she was like, if we took out this crowd, a lot of trivia leagues would be devastated. <laughs> Which yeah. is very true. And look, I'm a Weird Al fan. I'm a trivia guy. Mm -hmm. I get it. Yeah, in finding the end of the line, it was just follow the nerds in Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> Let's see, highlights of what I witnessed. Yeah. There were a bunch of like children who were palette swaps of me at that age but there was one girl who dressed like I did as a child like jeans and big jacket mm -hmm. whose parent handed her a Rubik's cube she just solved it in like 15 seconds and casually Yay. handed it back oh, I love it I love it and then a guy walked past with a bunch of tattoos but the most prominent one was a stick and poke that just said ween so <laughs> yeah I would imagine there's significant overlap between <laughs> The Venn diagram Weird of Ween and, and Weird Al. Yep. Oh, and I had a third. You know, it's important to me to always have the rule of three. Of course. No, you're a consummate entertainer. This is not the third, but there was a woman who was sitting a few rows in front of me who was like very, very old and was on Discord, just popping around on a Discord <laughs> server, which love I it. love to see. Yes. But yeah, the show itself was great. Well, what's number three? If that wasn't number three, what's number three? What the fuck? Are you Googling number three? 
No, I was just Googling through a text conversation in which I said the third thing, but now I can't find it. This is no fault to anyone else but me, but I get so irrationally angry when people text or message me while we're recording, Mm -hmm. as is happening at this moment. Stop. How dare you try to talk to me? Yeah. How dare you not know exactly what our erratic and unpredictable recording schedule is? Yeah. How dare people who care about me want to check in and see if I am okay and talk about life? Mm -hmm. But the show was great. We had to leave early because of a babysitter snafu, which Rachel apologized profusely for, but I kept repeatedly being like, Rachel, I am so happy to go home early. This is super fun. Going home early rules, yes. This means I got home before 10 p.m., which meant I took my meds on time. Really a dream situation. We avoided the, like, stampede after a concert. Which is always the worst, yep. Yeah, and, you know, I love that Weird Al and his band were all just sitting on stools the entire time, like, playing the deep cuts, which... That's that's what that tour is, and it's great. Yeah, and... He just has like such an incredible voice. Like his vocal control is insane. I know. And he's like in his 60s and still going strong. Yeah. Yeah. Getting really into it and pretty adorable to watch a huge crowd of very enthusiastic nerds like headbanging to Weird Al like, yep. and stomping to the point where you could feel it like it was sweet. That crowd is always the best because it is literally all ages. Yeah. There are probably people in their 80s and people under 10. Yep, that is exactly. Oh, oh, the third thing was a small child not older than eight in a guar shirt. <laughs> That's fantastic. It really was. I love that. It was just the aging hipsters bringing their children to be indoctrinated into uh, yep. musical comedy. And it's good stuff. It's the kind of stuff that, of course, was formative to me when I was uh, a kid, obviously, as we've discussed. Mm-hmm. And some of it is dated as is inevitably the case. But generally, even the stuff from like the 70s is still really funny and good. Musically, this is the thing that's so amazing about Weird Al, is that he's a fantastic musician and doesn't dumb it down. And the originals are great. Early on, it was a lot of accordion in those early albums, and they gradually Mm -hmm. phased a lot of that out over the years. The first, you know, whatever, two or three albums are very accordion-driven, especially that first one. But musically, it's just fucking awesome. And he's a great songwriter. The band, amazing instrumentalists and and many vocalists as well. I have so much respect for what he does. Honestly, the harder thing, there are a lot of great musicians out there. How many people, comedians in their 60s, are still funny? Not a lot. Yeah. You know, we see it all the time. The aging comedians, you know, they're maybe material isn't aging so well or mm-hmm. they get weirdly conservative. Yeah. They're just old and angry and don't understand why they can't say the same things that they've been saying for 40 years and are upset about it. Or that different stuff is funny now. Yeah. And it's not even the like, can't say anything anymore, guys. It's just like taste change, humor changes. Stuff that was funny even 20 years ago is now kind of like, eh, whatever, just because that's the way comedy goes. And it's very hard to do something that is as timeless as Weird Al. And when we're writing NSP songs, like we very deliberately do not talk about current events. Like I remember we were writing lyrics once and I pitched some Twitter line (laughs) about Twitter where the word Twitter was mentioned. Mm -hmm. And this is years ago, by the way. This is probably eight or nine years ago. 
And we were both like, hey, you know, no, it's going to date it. If we start fucking talking about Twitter, it's going to be of a time and a place. Holy fuck. A huge spider is rappelling down the ceiling onto my desk mm, right there. It. Hey, buddy. Uh, it's a daddy long legs, but he is large. Mm-hmm. He is large. Hey, buddy. It takes a daddy to know a daddy. You're goddamn right. Are you going to climb up on my PC case, big boy? Oh, please don't go under it. Oh, please don't go on. Everything shuts down. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's a little gamer. You are so big. Why, thank you. Gross. Hey, buddy. That was not a dick thing. (laughs) He's simply stopped. I'm offering him the paper and he doesn't want it. Hey, buddy. This is the most action this podcast has ever seen. (laughs) Do you want to get on my bottle of Midol? Oh, 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 he's moving. He's moving. He's moving. All right. Uh... (laughs) So interesting for podcasts. It really, it is shock. It is, it is ah, a tremendous ah, amount of action okay. that's ah, extremely boring. Where's he going? He's going under my desk. Okay. Come on, fucker. All right. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I've lost it. Oh, God. Come back. Come back. Buddy, come back. Where are you going? Get out of there. Come back. No! You know what? Fuck it. He's allowed, you know? He's moving away from me. He's crawling up some wires. He's allowed, you know, you can do whatever you want to, buddy. He's really struggling. Some spider music. I really liked your spider music. Thank a little you. spider music. It was great. Maybe I will regret letting him just do his thing. I don't know. Here's the thing. Probably before that spider, tens of other spiders have done exactly the same thing and you've never even been aware of it. They're probably crawling all over your face while you sleep, et cetera, et cetera. And <laughs> you never noticed them. So mm-hmm. don't worry about it because all of our mm-hmm. abodes are constantly swarming with bugs and small creatures we don't notice so and they all like to go in our mouths so oh yes very much so tomorrow morning he'll be a nice little breakfast and i won't even know yeah have i talked about my centipede experience ever (laughs) do you remember this um go on i was visiting rachel's folks this is years ago it's probably early in our marriage like 15 years ago or something in minnesota and in the middle of the night a centipede dropped onto my face from presumably the ceiling and I woke up screaming <laughs> and like, you know, was hitting my face, hitting myself in the head whop, 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 and squished it on my face. It was awful. And I look, I love a good centipede. Wow. They're amazing. Just not on your face. Not on my face as a surprise. You know, I'll even <laughs> put the extra caveat there as a surprise. I might be... Right. Opened having a centipede on my face if I knew, you know, where it was coming from. Consensually. But that's exact thank Consensual you. Consensual centipede. That's exactly it. Yeah, I had a similar thing where the first week that I moved into this apartment, I started witnessing cockroaches falling out of the AC unit. Mm-hmm. It hasn't happened since, but there was definitely <laughs> a second time where I was sleeping on the couch for some reason and one fell on my face. Ugh. So I feel like that's worse than a centipede. Yeah, it's a little cockroach. I, I don't want it oh, man. near my orifices. Do you ever get the big ones, like the, you know, two, three inches? 
Uh, I haven't seen one in a really long time in here. We used to get those in our apartment in New York. And they would only come out when I was away. And Rachel would lose her mind. I got a call from her once. I was in an airport. And, you know, I'm like waiting for the plane to board or whatever. And my phone rings. And it's this panicked call from Rachel where she's like, (laughs) it's right in front of me. It's looking at me. It's waving its little antennas. I'm getting a broom. I basically heard as she tried to whap this cockroach with a broom from as far away as possible. Oh, you can't whap and, a cockroach. Oh, no, it runs away, and then you can't find it, and then et cetera, et cetera. It was really awful. Yeah, you got to crush those fuckers until you hear a crunch. Yep, you know, I have no fear of bugs. I'll walk right up and step on them. Generally, I will try to free them, but not cockroaches. Cockroaches are bad. No, and, fuck them. Yep, spiders, always. I will always free a spider, especially like a cool spider. But not a cockroach. Cockroaches can die, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, spiders are cool, despite me freaking out. Despiders? Despiders. Despite what happened a few minutes ago. I'm fine with them. It's just when they start running towards me very quickly that some (laughs) sort of level of like lizard brain goes off. If it was a real lizard brain, I would just eat it. But (laughs) Which is a thing I can picture you doing. You know, just coolly reaching over, the spider's running on the couch, pick it up, eat it, go back to drawing. A sign of dominance. Yes, that's right. You've eaten bugs, right? Sure. Yep. I mean, not living bugs, but I've eaten bugs. I've eaten ants. I've eaten crickets. Crickets aren't bad. Like everything depends on how you cook them. Yeah. I've eaten silkworms uh, in Korea. Hmm. But all these things, it's like, yeah, it's fine. You know, it depends what you do to them. Yeah. Wait, what was like the consistency of a silkworm? They were like fried, so it was like crispy on the outside, chewy on the inside. Yeah. I feel like insects like that take well to being fried. Yeah, totally. They got that crunch. I mean, it's like any kind of shellfish, you know? Like yeah. They're just mostly pretty small. So if you're going to do it to a shrimp, you can do it to a bug pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Shrimps are just sea bugs. Yeah, exactly. I do strongly believe that as we need more food for more people, bugs will be an important source of that and should be. (laughs) Not if we don't kill them all through systemic ecosystem collapse first. (laughs) Well, of course, we're trying to do that, but it may fail. Here's my bug food truck idea. Okay, ready? I have a name for it. Okay. It's a food truck that sells various bugs and it's called XO. Just the letter X and O, like exoskeleton. Oh, yeah. And it could also be read as like kiss and hug. That's exactly right. Yep. But here's the question. Okay. I'm sure someone knows the answer to this. If you're a restaurant or a food truck that serves bugs, what are the health standards, the health codes that you need to abide by? Right? Because generally these codes prohibit bugs. So how do you distinguish the bugs you're serving from the bugs you don't want there. Yeah, well, you could be organic, free range. Just go catch them. It's floor to table, whatever (laughs) we find. Ant farm to table. Yeah, that's genius. Actually, I like that idea a lot. How would you serve the bugs within this truck? Like, what's the most convenient way to convince people to, you know, get their crunch on? Yeah, that's the question. I don't know bug recipes, so I, you'd have to come up with some good ones. I'm just going to search bug recipes. Probably would be stuff like ants and crickets, like the standard ones. But maybe there's like a nice chewy tarantula <laughs> or something, like a real I, big one. What are, what are the 
first things that comes up is just I'm gonna send you this link because it <laughs> it just looks like a joke. Okay. <laughs> Clicking now. <laughs> Sauteed June bugs by Le Chef. This is on Food Fifty Two, which is a popular site. So 12 fresh live June bugs. Oh, go out and catch them. And yeah, you fry them with salt and chili powder and then you eat them. This is not a joke. This is real. I've heard they are better if you pull their wings and legs off first since they don't have any nutrition and don't add much to flavor. I'm clicking the reviews. One just says, why? With three question marks. The reason why this is so funny is because it's an image it just looks like a pile of dead bugs. Yeah, it does not look good. With a little bit of like arugula and points off presentation because they're they're parsley. sitting in just like grease. Yeah, it looks like someone thought this was well plated, but instead it's just a pile of dead bugs. Yeah, it's too close, <laughs> right? It's too close up. Yeah, and they're so like blackened. This is not a good picture. No, I wouldn't eat these. I mean, no. I would but not based on this picture. This is from, by the way, 2010. So I do like that it's listed under five ingredients or fewer. So that's that's good. <laughs> oh, God. I'm looking through a Time article of high-end bug recipes, and it is genuinely kind of making my skin crawl. 20 delicious bug recipes from chefs. Is that the one? Yeah. Oh, my. The dragonflies. That's the one that really Oh, got there me. is a deep-fried tarantula. Look at that. There is. Wow. Worm salt margarita. Wow. Yeah. Oh, the fried dragonflies look upsetting. Oh. I mean, well, okay. So I think my issue with it is some of these pictures are like nice food photography, but it's the ones much like the this fried June bugs where it's yeah. just like, it's like whole fried dragonflies on slices of very wet looking mushroom with some like weirdly cooked asparagus and an ugly yeah. little quarter of a lemon. Like, this looks like some Texas Chainsaw Massacre shit. Yeah. Go to the worm tacos. So I know chapulines, which are grasshoppers, are like mm -hmm. a reasonably popular Oaxacan food. There was a place in New Brunswick, New Jersey, where you could get them. I would definitely eat those. Yeah, I had a little mealworm taco and a little grasshopper taco or yeah, cricket taco when I was in Mexico. Basically looked exactly like this. Oh, and it says, in order to get these items from Mexico to the U.S., they have to be dehydrated, and then you rehydrate them. So that's ah. good news for Ant Farm to Table. Yes. I would eat a lot of these bugs. Oh, look at that big cicada. I love a big yeah. cicada. They're weird eyes and their enormous wings. Yeah. My favorite thing about a cicada is its whole life, it wakes up, just wants to fuck, fucks as hard as possible, and then dies. Yep. I mean, that's a lot of animals, honestly, but I feel like cicadas are especially good at they wake up and they just scream, fuck, 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 right? Their whole lives are just in the trees screaming about it. Live, scream, fuck, die. Die. Yep. Now that's a good t-shirt. I love that this article ran out of nice pictures of <laughs> bugs. And then bugs. they just switched to regular pictures of bugs. Like the worms, the mealworm pecan pie? Yeah. It's just a pile of mealworms. They ran out. They needed to hit the 20 listicle quota. Yeah. The last, what, three of these pictures have nothing to do with recipes. This <laughs> is a fucking worm. <laughs> it's, that's a worm. Wait, are nightcrawlers worms? Are they really? Are they? That's a picture of a worm. Everyone, welcome to Late Night. <laughs>
Oh, yeah. This is Late Night with Brian Wecht. Here's Leighton Gray. Hey, sorry you're here. Kick your shoes off and get cozy and maybe pour yourself and pull up a bug and a nice tall glass of um, worm salt rimmed margarita. Yeah. I was going to say like Windex. <laughs> okay. I feel as, as a medical professional, I should encourage listeners not to drink fucking Windex. But guys, it tastes just like Blue Gatorade. Wow. Yeah, I guess nightcrawlers are worms. I thought they were something else. Look at that. Great. <laughs> Did it also show you a bunch of pictures of the Fresno nightcrawlers? Yes. What is that? What are the Fresno nightcrawlers? Did you know about this? Yeah, they're encrypted. So it's some complete bullshit, right? How dare you say that about the Fresno nightcrawler community? Uh-huh. Wow. There's like a bunch on this, huh? Mm-hmm. A seven-foot-tall slender gray creature. Mm. Yes. I like the art of them. They're all leg. They're all leg. They are all leg. These are good. You know who I love the look of in terms of cryptids? Yes, let's talk about it. The Flatwoods Monster. Oh, I don't know what this is. Hold on. Flatwoods Monster. Like, part of me kind of wants to get a tattoo of the Flatwoods Monster. Oh, this guy. Yes. Sort of like robot looking. Lady, I guess I should say. Yeah, like Mm -hmm. this one with the skirt on it that is a good look look at that that's cool sort of like robotic looking yeah hell yeah a lot in a dress in a green dress i see a lot of these yeah i believe it was determined what people saw was an owl yeah that makes obvious sense yeah i have such a mixed relationship with cryptozoology because on the one hand it's fucking cool Mm -hmm. on the other hand it's Often pseudoscience bullshit. (laughs) Did Mothman try to sell you some essential oils? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I bought some CBD oil from the Mothman Mm. from Indrid Cold, of course, (laughs) who said, you know, this will help move my eczema. All I have to say about cryptids is that they are cool. And there's a certain era of like early 2000s history channel cryptid documentary that like I watched so many of them as a child that frightened me. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could recapture that childlike fear of genuinely believing they were real. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. I would take my childhood anxiety fixations of like, I'm afraid all the dinosaurs are going to come to life in the museums and come eat me. Yeah. I would take that over any of the real life fears I have now. Yeah, for sure. I remember, God, what was this book? I think it was called 1001 Amazing Facts. Is that what it is? But there was some book that was titled something like that from when I was growing up that had all these like what now we would call cryptid type stuff. Mm -hmm. 99% of it, I'm sure, was complete bullshit. But I was obsessed with this book when I was in like seventh grade. Had it for a while. And then just once I was an adult, I was like, this is stupid. Fuck this. Yeah. But that stuff is so creepy when you're a kid. Oh, and you become afraid of the page of a book. Yeah. Like there was one like optical illusion book I had as a kid that I liked. And then there was one, I've never found it since then, but it was just like one of those things where it's like, can you believe that this guy that's closer to the camera and the guy that is further away from the camera are the same size? Oh, yeah, totally. But just kind of had like a creepy face. And so I would be afraid to even come to the pages around yeah. that page. Totally. Like I'm not opening that shit. There was also like, I remember the feel of this book so specifically, but it was about aliens in my elementary school library. And I volunteered 
with the library because you would get Krispy Kreme donuts on Fridays if you, you know, spend the rest of the week reshelving stuff. But my (laughs) friends and I would always check out Uh this one book on aliens. And there was one like full size drawing of a gray alien that was that cursed page for all Uh, of us. Yep. The grays were very scary. Yeah. Well, it's as we discussed in one of the seminal episodes of this show, a short little alien that could like come up to you in your bed and be at eye level is like, I need it to kill me. I don't want to live after having witnessed that. Yeah, yeah, totally. I remember the cover of Communion when I was growing up and very scary. Communion. I think it was the first, was it where the grays like were first introduced? Oh, that is a scary painting. The one that I was afraid of was not as good as that one. But it's spooky. It's spooky, right? And this is why all this stuff is bullshit. I think it's this book, but I could be wrong. Is like no one was describing the greys before this book. And then this book comes out and suddenly every alien description people come up with is this picture. And it's like, okay, well, (laughs) maybe there's another influence. Oh, I've seen scenes from the movie where it's like the little alien peeking around the corner, which I hate. That scares me. If I had seen that as a kid, my brain would have exploded. Wait, wait, which? The movie? Yeah, with Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken's in the movie? Oh, shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. I've never actually watched it. We should watch it. I would definitely watch it. It's from the 80s, right? 1989. That's pretty late because the book was, oh, 87. Okay, so the thing, I'm wrong about the grays. The gray stuff was before this, so it wasn't communion specifically, I think. But I guess the book is much later than I thought. Okay, so the movie's a few years later. Just imagine nailing it that hard with that illustration of getting it in one, like that enduring, perfect, creepy image. Yes, you do something that now is like, well, that's it. It's kind of like flying saucers, right? Where it's like, well, okay, that's it now. That's what it looks like. Now everything people see are flying saucers fucking great. Well, I'm no longer on Twitter, thank God. But something that I really liked is the horror artist community kind of reviving the fine art of creating a scary image. Yeah. I think online, the creation of those types of images get like a little, um, oh, incestuous. (laughs) They're Uh operating off of the same like set of imagery, right? And they're not like really innovating outside of that. And I think there's been more of a movement to innovate outside of that other than just like, it's got big mouth, it's tall, it's skinny. Do you have any favorite images you'd like to show me? Oh my goodness. Just like scary images? Sure. I'll look at some scary images. All right, great. So, But here's the deal. Anything you show me, I will show to Audrey. All right. <laughs> That's evil. I'm a bad father. <laughs> we all know this. Okay, so have you seen like classic internet's quote-unquote scary images such as Jeff the Killer or Smile Dog? I'm not sure that I have, actually. Okay, Google Jeff the Killer. Jeff the Killer. Is this going to be actually upsetting? No. All right. It's children with Photoshop. Oh, okay, that. Yes, I know Jeff the Killer. I just didn't know the name. (laughs) Yep, 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 yep. Got it. And then Smile Dog, did you say? Yes. Smile Dog I haven't seen. But okay, there's Smile Dog. That's Smile Dog. So that's pretty much what we're working with in the realm of what people think is scary. Okay, great. So any other ones I should check out here? Of course, I know Slender Man. Well, there's like the zone of SCPs. What does that mean? 
secure, contain, protect. It's like a communal horror project. No, I don't know these. You've never heard of SCPs? All right. So I find it really fascinating. It's sort of going off of the sort of genesis of the Slenderman mythos where it was a very communal thing of people editing creepy stuff and writing little snippets and putting it together. And so Mm -hmm. SCP is about a fictional organization called SCP that is meant to contain crazy creatures, all sorts of creepy creatures. And it's got a little bit of like aperture science vibes. And that game Control, I think, that came out is pretty much like a direct ripoff of this communal project. Mm -hmm, But it mm -hmm, spawned mm -hmm. a bunch of little like indie fan games. And I'm looking at the Wikipedia page and various... SCP-426 is a toaster that can only be referred to in the first person. Yeah, if you see the like sculpture that's kind of like leaning against a wall, that's probably the most famous one. It's SCP-173, I believe. Okay. This I've never seen before. Wow. Okay, so that's kind of like one of the more famous ones. Wait, is this a guy fucking it? No. I thought it might be. I don't know. Anyway, but I think much like, what was it, Momo? It was just like a sculpture some artist made and then people repurposed it to be spooky. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm not deep enough that I know the names and numbers of SCPs offhand. But lots of people do, I would assume. There are a ton of them. And I love the spirit of the thing. I think that it's a very cool concept and it's fun that people get to riff off of like the ideas that are presented and come up with their own little thing. I forget which number it is, but my personal favorite SCP, feel free to share your favorite SCPs in the comments below. (laughs) It's a vending machine Uh that can only take Japanese yen and they put stuff in. And then like the SCP entry is just a list of all the different weird things it spits out and like Mm. what they taste like. And some of them like kill the people who eat it. It's cute. It's a super long document that a ton of people have clearly put together and worked on. And it gets a little repetitive, but it's cute. I like that one a lot. This is cool. Yeah. All right. I have to look at this. Yeah, they're a fun read. Folks at home, if you like creepy pasta or creepy stuff, it's definitely good to check out because of the communal nature of it. They vary in quality, like very drastically. And a bunch of the ones that are considered like the best ones actually are kind of embarrassingly bad. But I won't yuck yums. But yeah, I'm glad to have introduced you to SCB. Yes, me too. This is exciting. And what's weird, you know, I'm always fascinated by this stuff that is like very out there and I've just never heard of. Yeah, it's a huge thing. It's been like going on forever. Yeah. Oh, oh, I kind of texted you about this, but uh, speaking of art, it reminded me, I went to the Whitney Biennial when I was in New York. Yes, uh, you did. Last week, I did. And it was pretty great, actually. How often is the biennial? Is it every two years? I always forget which is. I don't know what biennial means. Every other year. Yes, every other year. Okay. As opposed to biannual, which is twice a year. But yeah, so the Whitney Big Art Museum in New York used to be located on the Upper East Side, now is located in the Meatpacking District at the end of the High Line. And every two years, they have a big art exhibit of mostly like very current art. And traditionally, it goes up and everybody makes fun of it for being stupid. And it is a ritual of being a New Yorker, which I am not really, but you talk about how shitty the biennial is. Okay. I got to say, this one was awesome. I'm not very judgmental when it comes to this stuff. I've been to a couple of the biennials in the past, and often it's like 
I don't know. I didn't, I didn't think it sucked, but I'm also not an art critic. So what the fuck do I know? But sure. this one had a lot of really interesting stuff. And in particular, there are a few floors, but they have two main floors. And one floor was very dark and you couldn't really find your way around. It's kind of like a maze and it had a lot mm-hmm. of video installations. And you kind of had to like walk around and figure out it didn't just flow naturally. That part was interesting. One of the the more memorable pieces there was a, I think it was made out of clay. Someone took basically a sleeping bag, kind of molded into a human form, made some mm. kind of clay version of it, and then surrounded it with rows of bullet casings, which oh. like the big, like, you know, couple inch long bullet casings. Obviously, you can read into that as you see fit. And I can't remember the artist's name, but, you know, just some of these are just striking, even without knowing what they quote unquote mean. Sure. I did send you a picture of a video exhibit, which was various animations of people in corporate brand logos with kind of looking all zombified and uncanny valleyed. Yeah, that is pretty embarrassing. I got to say that one didn't do much for me. It was visually striking, but kind of facile. It really feels like some 2010 DeviantArt shit. Yeah, I don't know. That one didn't personally do much for me. Um, But one piece was this artist somehow won an auction from like the the MTA, the, you know, subway organization Mm -hmm. of basically fake shit people he used to get into the subway, like tokens, (laughs) and then separated them into piles including like arcade tokens and like religious symbols and just random Mm. slugs and just had big piles of these on pedestals. I thought that was pretty interesting. I love that kind of thing. I do too. I'd say the most interesting was some woman who's a disabled artist had two pieces there. One was called kitchen. So, you know, I got this from reading about it. It's this giant kitchen with like cabinets and a counter, but they're, very tall and like you can't see up on top of the counter and you can't reach the cabinets. And Mm. the point is, of course, that if you are not the usual height for whatever reason, even quote unquote normal stuff can feel like a struggle. Is it the like clear uh, looking one? That's neat. Yeah. And next to that, she printed every medical bill she got for, I don't know, a year, three years, something like that. Oh, God. And on like letter-sized paper and just had a pile of them, which was like a couple feet high. Oh, yes. I see that now, too. Yeah. Wow. And it's just like a little column, but is, you know, (laughs) very impactful. I love a fun little installation art thing. Even if it's silly, it's just sort of like the effort. There's just something about it. It's nice. There's something about it. And honestly, that's a big part of it that it took me a long time to realize, I mean, probably not until I was in like my 20s, is that a big part of appreciating art is thinking about the effort it went into making it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't think about that, you know, you're not really getting the context. Yeah. Because it's very easy to just walk up to something and be like, pass. Yeah. You know, when you think about what the fuck is this made out of it? How did they do this? In a permanent collection, they have one place, Oldenburg sculpture, which is like a giant ashtray, which is kind of a pedestal filled with like puffy, you know, several feet long, quote unquote, cigarette butts. <laughs> but it's just like, oh, yeah, look at that. That's awesome. Yeah, I think I probably am going to say the last name wrong, but one of the biggest influences on me artistically, which is like kind of surprising, is Namjoon Pike. I don't know P A I K. 
N-A-M-J-U-N. June with an E. Nam June Pike. Okay. Oh, this. Yes, I've seen this, this stuff. Yeah, so folks at home who are unfamiliar or who can't yeah, Google, yeah, yeah. he was a really influential like video artist who would pile a bunch of CRTs together and do like video art and lots of really interesting stuff. Very meow wolf looking stuff. Yeah, I think probably the most famous one is the uh, electronic superhighway, which is yeah. it's the shape of the United States in neon with a bunch of TVs and the TVs show like things that are representative of each state. Cool. Yes, I've definitely seen some of his stuff. Yeah, and there are other ones that are like sitting in Oh, part of Fluxus. And they're really, really cool. And I think about them all the time. And I think seeing a bunch of his installations as a small child had a pretty big effect on me. Yeah. So Fluxus, which is, I didn't know he's a part of it, but he apparently was, very influenced by Cage. And what? John Cage. Do you know about John Cage? Mm-mm. John Cage is maybe the most famous composer from the 20th century. His famous piece, which you've definitely heard, is four minutes and 33 seconds. Do you know about this? No. It's almost a punchline now. And what it is, is it's three movements, and there's four minutes and 33 seconds of total silence. <clears throat> and that's the piece. So this is the kind of shit Cage did. I mean, he wrote like kind of more traditional stuff as well. He did a lot of things that were in music jargon, aleatoric or aleatoric, I guess is the way to say it. What does that mean? Left up to chance elements of the mm. the piece. You know, rolled dice or some of his pieces were influenced by I Ching. There's stuff that the performer in the moment figures out. Or sometimes it's just left up to the whims of the performer. So... He definitely was criticized at the time as being, as such people are, thinking too much of himself, it's all bullshit, blah, 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 but was a very influential composer and has some legitimately really fucking cool pieces. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Was like friends with Duchamp and Jasper Johns. Yes. So part of that crowd for sure. And he's gay or he was gay. Wow. Exciting. Yeah. Worth looking into some very cool stuff, yeah. The final line of his bio is he was also an avid collector of mushrooms. Of mushrooms. Oh, yes. He was a mycologist. That's right. Oh, my God. What? (laughs) Yep. He was a big mushroom guy and was very, very, very interested in mushrooms. There's some amazing quote from him. Wait, did he publish a mushroom book? I believe he did, yes. The font on this is so fucking excellent. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, because he was a kind of a visual artist as well, a lot of the stuff he wrote in his scores are themselves works of art. Oh, wow. This is a great rabbit hole. I love this. Yeah. Well, he also, he worked with Cunningham also, and I think they were together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and these like very interesting scores that are very graphic looking. Yeah, his scores are very cool looking for sure. Wow. God, I love learning things on this podcast. Yeah, so do I. (laughs) I tell you about SCPs and you tell me about this influential, uh, look at this. Oh, these would be such great tattoos. Oh, yeah, for sure. I remember a few quotes of his, which are like typical art music kind of quotes, but there was Mm -hmm. one, I might be slightly butchering it, which was, my God, what has sound got to do with music? <laughs> because this was this was very much at that time in the 60s. You know, like the whole point of four minutes and 33 seconds, which is silence, is listen, right? Listen to the <laughs> things happening because there is no true silence. Sorry, that's my interpretation of it. 
and as well as many other people's, you know, music is happening around. So what you define as music is actually a bit fungible, right? Hmm. So, you know, there were other avant-garde composers at this time. I think it's Lamont Young who had a piece which was draw a line and follow it, you know, stuff like that, hmm. which is like, is that music? Well, you have to figure out what you mean by music. I admire that greatly. I just really appreciate yes. anybody who fully commits to their bit artistically. Yeah, totally. I love shows or games or music or whatever that's just aggressively self-indulgent. Yep. But I think by that same token, I also generally like things that are very fuck you audience. Oh, I mean, same. Especially because that so often goes hand in hand with like, this is for me, fuck yep. you, this is my thing. Like it if you want to. I don't give a fuck. I think this is interesting. Yeah. It's kind of the antidote for focus tested to death yep. cape shit slob. <laughs> I like anything that makes people mad, basically, in a nice way. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Challenges assumptions. No, because you love sort of to thing. trigger the libs. That's your whole thing. Yeah. I'm all about owning the libs. So I have, I have this little, little TikTok called Libs of TikTok which uh, is a little popular right now. I'm so glad that I have no fucking idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you are very glad because it's a whole fucking thing and it's really awful. Great. Yeah, but I, of course I do love owning the libs, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But yes, mm -hmm. look, I'm just asking questions. I'm just asking questions about society and cancel culture and mm -hmm. wokeism, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm so tired. Can the inevitable heat death of the universe like hurry up yeah. a little bit? No, I'm not going to say the thing I was going to say because we would have to cut it out. Damn it. So I'm not going to say it. Instead, Layton, I'm going to do something that I've never done before, which is I have a new thing I'd like to play for you. It is a sort of introduction. It's a kind of, I don't like the phrase theme song, but I guess that's what it is in some generalized sense. It heralds the arrival of our first segment in the show, one of two segments. And much like a discussion in a recent episode, I decided to go back to the drawing board for this one and kind of reinvent it from the ground up. I know I was asking people if we should do this for some of the themes. And the overwhelming consensus, of course, was no, but that means yes, right? Well, that sounds really awful <laughs> when I say it out loud. What I mean is that... When people say don't change the theme music, what I want to do more than anything is change the theme music. So let me just take a drink. Did I, Yes. What? You know how sometimes they have people do as part of a team building exercise a trust fall? Of course. I love trust falls. <laughs> They're really funny when they go wrong. Right. And you see why that statement, you know, would make me hesitant to engage in a trust fall with you. You know, I'm trying to manage my expectations. That's always good. I think that's a healthy thing to do in general. Mm -hmm. In this case, I don't know why you would, though, because mm -hmm. when you're used to high levels of artistic output, such as we produce, mm -hmm. uh, both collectively and individually, I don't think you need to manage your expectations. I think you set high expectations and then trust that they will be met, right? So what I'm going to do for you today is play you the 
totally brand new, completely reworked theme uh-huh. song. Okay, yeah. To mm-hmm. What? <laughs> I really do not appreciate your negative attitude towards this. I am not having a negative attitude. I'm having a reasonable response to the words that you are saying in that I'll believe it when I hear it. Okay, that's great. I think that's valid, but I do detect a little skepticism that anything has changed. Aren't you a big proponent of like being a skeptic? What happened to, to the skeptics community? No, no, no. That, that I am certainly a member of the skeptics community, but I am also a member of the friend community where I trust <laughs> my friends and as well as the friends TV show community as well. But I do trust my friends to be people of their word, right? And do what they promise. I don't know if I would consider myself a member of the friend community or the friends. Well, I consider you a friend, whatever you consider me. And I trust you and I would hope that trust would be repaid. So Mm -hmm. in light of that, I'm going to play for you and you'll actually be able to hear this because I put it on Zencaster here. The brand new... (laughs) Totally reworked. <laughs> and I, this is not a bit. What's Poppin' theme song, which I will play now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm having some tech issues here. So just give me a second. Uh... No, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. That I, I clicked it, but it didn't play. Hold on. Uh... Just give me a second. I have to reload this. Brian, I have trust issues. Just a second. This is so hard for me. I am reloading it. Uh Uh-huh. All right. This one should work. Here we go. You can't see. If I shared my screen, you see I'm doing a whole thing here. Right. Yeah. All right. Here it goes. Click. Fuck. Fuck you. Fuck you. Just listen. Just listen to it. (sighs) All right. That was the What's Poppin' theme song. What'd you think? Okay, John Cage. Right. Ugh. Ugh. Now you see where I was going with that. Yeah, well, as is a staple of this show, this continues to be a disappointment. What is a better theme song? A theme song or no theme song? Maybe the theme song. A theme song. No, I disagree. (laughs) Maybe the theme song is everything else that's not the theme song. Right? What do we define as a theme song. Yeah, the theme song is the sound of my fist connecting with your face. Now that is music, and surely John Cage would agree with that. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? Okay, great. Brian, what's poppin'? What's poppin' for me is a new series, mini-series on Hulu called The Dropout, which is about Elizabeth Holmes, Oh. And Theranos. And it's created by Elizabeth Merriweather, who also did New Girl, a show that I haven't seen, really. It's okay. Not quite true. I watched one episode, and I was like, this is fine. I don't really want to watch more. I know some people like it very much. But this Dropout series is fucking awesome. It's got, now I'm probably going to pronounce her surname wrong, Amanda Seyfried. Is that how you say her name? Seyfried? Seyfried? Okay. Either of us could be wrong. Who knows? You know who I'm talking about, though. Yes, I do. And it stars her, Naveen Andrews. And of course, my favorite like thing in this is that there are scenes with Laurie Metcalf and William H. Macy. Who, what? Yes, because they both play. Laurie Metcalf plays a professor at Stanford, and William H. Macy is like some kind of scientist type person who's involved mm-hmm. somehow. And is a neighbor of Elizabeth Holmes, at least was growing up. 
And oh, what's his name? Utkarsh Amdekar. Uh, I may be pronouncing his name slightly wrong, but he's great. It's got, again, the guy's name I can never remember who plays Albert and Barry. He's oh, in a bunch guy? of episodes. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm so embarrassed. I can't remember his name. Wait, we haven't talked about the Barry season finale. Okay. No, we'll we haven't, it. but that's that's a mini. That's a mini. That's a mini. But yeah, I really loved it. I think it's really well done. There's shit in it that's like very funny, hmm. but it's definitely not a comedy. But there are things that are innately absurd that are played to that effect. Can't recommend it highly enough. Amanda Seyfried is incredible as Elizabeth Holmes, like really impressive. I saw a clip of her like doing the voice. Doing the voice. Yeah, I can't even do it because I have a deep voice. But that Elizabeth Holmes voice is so wild and she does it. She doesn't start out that way. They kind of have scenes where she like starts to do it. And I thought it was great. Highly, highly recommend it. And it's just such a fucking wild story anyway. Well, okay, I can't find this now. So folks at home do some Googling to find this. But there's a subreddit that I really like called r slash best of Redditor updates, which mm-hmm. compiles any sort of like multi-update post from our relationships, our relationship advice, r slash uh-huh. am I the asshole? Anything where there's multiple installments to create a saga, this sub will compile all of those into one easily readable post. So if you don't want to, you know, sift through all those other subs, if you just want juicy stories nonstop, that's the place. But there's one that found a post in like, I think legal advice or some sort of advice forum from someone who was like, I work for like a company that is asking us to falsify data and I don't know what to do. Oh my God. And it was a Theranos thing? Yeah. And it was way before any of this was public. And then there was a follow-up from them years later being like, yeah, I worked for Theranos. (laughs) Wow. Oh, shit. Yeah. Speaking of Reddit, did you see the Pwingies thing? (laughs) Wait, did that blow up somewhere off of Reddit? Rachel texted it to me. Pwingies for the room. Yes. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I did see that one. It's very funny to read an incredibly fake Reddit post and then read people responding to it as if it is real. Yeah. That's so funny. Admittedly, that is a very funny bit for a fake post. Yes. Pwingies for the room. I love it. God, I hate that I knew what you were talking about. But I also figured you would. Yeah. Layton, what's popping? What's popping for me is really depressing, so I'm not going to talk about it much. I just thought it was a really incredible piece (laughs) of reporting that I think is very important and impactful, but... What's popping for me is a book called Sandy Hook, an American Tragedy in the Battle for Truth by Elizabeth Williamson, Yeah, which is about exactly what you would expect, but also focused heavily on a certain Alex Jones's uh, culpability. Oh, fuck that guy to hell. Yeah. Yes. So it's about the lawsuits and big shout out to Knowledge Fight, the podcast. Yeah. I love that show very much. And I think that they're doing incredibly important work. Dan, one of the hosts, gets interviewed in the book and is mentioned several times. And it's sort of like, wow, there he is. But yeah, it is a really incredible book. It is as sad and heartbreaking and infuriating as it could possibly be. But I think a really essential exploration of something that's very important and that like the rhetoric of has infected or rather like, uh, I don't know. America, you know, it's just so American. Yeah. 
So yeah, if you want to feel fucking awful and just be on the verge of tears the entire time, uh, I highly recommend yeah, no, it. It's a great you. piece of writing. Cool. Yeah. So that's what's popping for me. That's great. What's our next segment? Our next segment is three parts gratitude exercise and one parts petty grousing. And the name of the segment is called Peaches and Lemons. And the theme song for Peaches and Lemons, which is the same and that neither you nor I will hear at this moment, but the mm, audience will always. hear in post, yes, right? Yes, I agree. It's here. goes right here. Peaches and Lemons. Peaches and Lemons. Okay, great. So Perfect. that's the theme song for uh, Peaches and Lemons. I truly almost said what's poppin'. Did I play you the new theme song this week? <sighs> Brian, what's your yes. lemon? Well, I talked about it before, is that this music video got canceled and uh, okay. I'm pumped about it. Like, I wanted to make an amazing smooth jazz music video, and now I will not be this weekend making an amazing right. smooth jazz music video. But it'll be fine. But it's just like, oh, when I got that email, I was just like, come the fuck on. What are we doing? Yeah, that's a bummer. Yes. I am, in fact, still incredibly jealous of you. That that just gives you more time to hang out with Tort. I know. I know. Well, I'm going to hang with him so hard. <sighs> so, Also, I'll be in a studio with him for a few days, so that'll be fun, too. You guys better take cute pictures and send me cute pictures, please. Oh, we will. So I can put them on my bulletin board. We're going to form a cuddle puddle. I never want to hear that phrase in my life ever again. Isn't it awful? I've heard it enough times. Yeah, I'm good. I don't want to hear it. Which cuddle puddle? Cuddle puddle, yeah. Cuddle puddle, yes. Yeah, you're going to continue to say it. I could change how I pronounce it. I could pronounce the letters instead of doing the glottal stop, so I could say cuddle puddle. Does that make it better or worse? <laughs> that makes it sound more like it's a bunch of cuttlefish. On a golf course. Have we ever talked about how great cuttlefish well, are? We have not, but they are indeed the absolute fucking best. They're like my favorite sea creature. They're cute as hell, and their color-changing stuff is incredible. And they all look like they have little mustaches. Yeah. At the Cape Fear Aquarium around Wilmington, one of the beaches, they like eventually got rid of it. But near the end of the aquarium, they had like a big cuttlefish tank. Mm. And uh, that was my favorite part. I love watching those guys. They're amazing. I saw one like in the ocean once. What? Yeah, I was snorkeling. And I was like, all I want out of this snorkel trip is to see something with tentacles. Mm -hmm. And just as I was about to get back on the boat and snorkel for like 20 minutes or whatever, there was like a teeny little cuttlefish. Oh my God. And I went up to it and it started like strobing colors like they do, which is the greatest fucking thing when they do that. And I was like, yeah. oh yeah. Where were you snorkeling that you this saw This was somewhere off the coast of Mexico. It's when Rachel was on our cruise boat. And I joined her for a week. Oh, yeah. Because she did comedy on a cruise boat for like four months. And they got to do excursions. If the passengers didn't eat up all the spots and there were remaining spots, the comedians could do it for free. So we got a free spot on a snorkel trip and did it. And I saw a cuttlefish and it was great. Also on the same cruise, but on a different thing, I did snuba, which is like <laughs> scuba, except the tank floats on the top of the water and you're oh. attached to it with the hose. We did a dive. And I will always remember the guy that was like leading the dive. <laughs> Basically, he motions us over. There's a puffer fish just swimming around. And he gives us the like, watch this gesture. And he just grabs it from the sides and the things go. Pfft. 
<laughs> so he pissed off a puffer fish and made it puff. Wow. It was fucking great. And then like held it like a bowling ball as it was full size. Wow. Pretty great. You know, another thing I love about cuttlefish is they have the W eyes. Mm-hmm. I love a W they eye. They definitely That's do. So I do too. so cool. Yep. Oh, wow. I'm looking at an article called The Sexual Evolution of the Cuttlefish. Hell yeah. I mean, they are one of nature's sexiest creatures. Mm-hmm. Sexual cuttlefish. Uh, Google that. What do I get? Don't. During mating, which takes place head to head, a male embraces a female <laughs> and then squirts sperm in her mouth with a specialized arm. <laughs> what the fuck? Are you making that up? No, I read that. That's from <laughs> a New Scientist article. Here, I'll read more of it. Don't. Oh, wait, I can't. It's behind a paywall. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, Brian, that's how OnlyFans works. Yeah. <laughs> Cuttlefish and love. Only fins. <laughs> <laughs> Considering that females reject 70% of all mating attempts, this is no small feat. Hanlon says, quote unquote, sexual mimicry like this is common in other animals. But since he and his team took DNA samples from the fish and their progeny, his report in the journal Nature provided the first genetic evidence of sexual mimicry successfully resulting in offspring. Hmm. Pretty cool. What's your lemon? My lemon is that after I, you know, on Saturday, I saw Weird Al with your wife and I got home at a reasonable hour and I took my medication on time and had a really stressful week. And so I was like, all right, it's Saturday night. I'm going to chill out. Got nice and cozy in bed and I'm, I'm falling asleep. And it, ooh, I've got the AC on, so the air is chill. Yeah. My bed's warm and my nice. dog, my dog is all cuddled up next to me. And I'm drifting off to sleep and I'm like, wow, I'm so tired and it feels so good to be cozy in my bed. And I'm sort of in that like half awake state where I'm mostly asleep, but I can hear sounds. Mm -hmm. And I, with no, you know, concern available in my semi-conscious mind, I begin to hear a Oh no. And there was a football team practicing. (laughs) And I, I was like, hmm, all right. And then I woke up suddenly and I whipped my covers back to discover maybe vomiting in my yep, bed. Yeah, of course, of course, yep. And because of the timing of the vomit, it was almost like a sandwich of vomit because like my blanket <sighs> under my duvet had like been on top yeah. of it. It's a BLT, but the B is barf. <laughs> yeah, and so I must awake from my deeply comfortable slumber to fully clean like thankfully it, there wasn't as much liquid in the vomit so it was like chunky and anyway I still had to spend a decent amount of time cleaning both things and Ugh. then washed in the morning but I was like I can't I don't want to go set dog. up on the couch I'm just gonna like clean it up I'm gonna spray some perfume in the air above my bed and I will go back to sleep and oh I will God. deal with this tomorrow Look at you, but just awful and maybe it's fine I don't know why she started barfing but why did she have to barf under the covers They just barf sometimes. That's what animals do. They do. This could have been a much worse lemon had I not woken up at that moment and had simply woken up covered in dried dog vomit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be worse. It would be worse. So that's my lemon. Great. Peach time. I already talked about one of my peaches, which was Mm -hmm. seeing Weird Al with your wife. Yes. My second peach is also something that I did with your wife, Mm -hmm. which is... A few weeks ago, we went to a high tea with Audrey. You got blazed as hell. and then Blazed as hell, all of us. 
yeah, I, I had never done like a proper high tea before. And we got our little tiered tray and we all picked out some types of sandwiches. So we had an array of sandwiches. We had some scones. We had some little clearly frozen like tiny treats, like a little cream puff, mm-hmm. little mini eclair. And we had tea and it was just, um, it was a wonderful time. I saw some very cute pictures of you. With we my took daughter. some very cute pictures. They were very sweet. And I think my favorite quote that I believe I texted you was I was looking at the large tea sandwich menu and was sort of asking the table, like, what's the temperature check on sandwiches? And Audrey just goes, well, they're cold. (laughs) (laughs) And they were. She was right. Amazing. Yeah. That's my second peach. That will always be a a special memory. But but also being a grown adult, eating like high tea as my first meal of the day. I was so fucking hungry. And you're all like dressed up and everything too. Yeah. Oh yeah. We all wore dresses, but I was so hungry. I wanted to eat every single sandwich. I wanted to get like 10 more little sandwiches. It's delicious, but it is not filling. So it was pretty like ravenous. And also it was hot in there. There was no AC. Really? Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Not very conducive to feeling dainty. Yeah. More fainty than dainty. More fainty than dainty, to be sure. And then my third peach is that every time I go to Target, they have a really big, like, you know, a plastic honey bear mm-hmm. that your honey is in. Mm-hmm. They have one With of those little, big little, ones. Little cap on top, the little spout. Mm-hmm. But it, it's one of those, it's huge and it's filled with animal crackers. And every time I go, I see it and I'm like, man... I want that bear of animal crackers. And I never buy it because I just feel silly. And also it's big and there are a lot of steps up to my apartment. So I really have to manage yep. like the size of the groceries that I get. Yes. But you know what? This week I bit the bullet and I got the cracker bear. And I have not had proper animal crackers in so long. And I've just been keeping it on my desk. And I can have a little animal cracker whenever I want. And I have a little plastic friend that I can hold as I am... Um, at this moment. Here we go. I'll give him a gentle shake. Yeah, that's incredible. Here's my suggestion. All right. Uh, mm-hmm. Get a marker or paintbrush. Are you listening to this? No. Great. Get a marker or paintbrush and put a giant L on the bear so it can be Cracker barrel. Damn it, I'm in. And that's called comedy, folks. It is. But also, recently, when I have tried to purchase animal crackers, they're not proper animal crackers. It's just like grams in the shape of an animal. You know what I'm talking about. A proper animal cracker. It's not overly sweet. It's not a little graham cracker. It's it's almost like a sweet oyster cracker. And that's what's important. And that's what these are. Good. Proper. Those are my peaches. Brian, what are your peaches? My peaches. Uh, peach number one, I got to see my kid after a long trip and she was so excited to see me and I was excited to see her. And it's just awesome. I have a great kid and I missed her. So it's nice to be back with my adorable and fun and funny child. And they picked me up from the airport and we went out to a Omasubi lunch, <gasps> which was great. Wow. That's how you know that somebody loves you when they pick you up from... LAX question mark? Yeah, oh, yeah. LAX. Ugh. You don't have to love someone to pick them up from Burbank. You have to 
no. love someone. You got to from LAX. Love someone for yep. yeah. Peach number two. One of my things on my trip out east was I extended the trip a little bit because a ninety-five-year-old uh, relative of mine died about a month ago, oh. and uh, I'm sorry. That's not the peach, of course. She was, uh, you know, a beloved family member. But there was a memorial service that was like a few days after the day I was going to come back home, and so I switched my flight from Boston to New York and took a few days to stay in Jersey and went to this memorial service where I saw these family members I hadn't seen in years. And these like little cousins I grew up with are now in their like mid thirties and have kids and stuff. And I don't know when I'm going to see these people again. One of my cousins came in from Seattle and others drove down from like Boston. Most people are still around like the Jersey area. I mean, it was a sad reason for it, but it was just wonderful to see these family members. They're not particularly close by blood, but we spent every single Thanksgiving with them. Apparently from the year my parents moved into their then new house in 1967 through, you know, <laughs> like well into my adult life. They wow. were a Thanksgiving family and uh, I got to see him again. So that was really, really great. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. I love these people and I don't get to see them much. So despite it being for a sad reason, uh, you know, it was honoring a woman who led a great and very interesting life. And it's nice to see people you love that you haven't seen in a long time. Did she say that she, she was 98? She's 95. 95. Wow. So, good long life. That is a and long time. It's a long time. And, you know, she had a great life. And the kind of thing where I, like, I learned all these things about her that I didn't know before. They had her, like, yearbooks there and stuff. And when she was a French major in college and, you know, traveled, like, she went to Australia and China and all over the world when she was in, like, her late 60s and 70s because she's like, I want to travel more. And got some of her grandchildren to take her around. Wow. Yeah. It was it was a great event. Final peach. Kind of mentioned this before, but I'll say it again because I didn't get into it much. Uh, I'm starting to get some serious mixes back from Commander Meowch for this smooth jazz album. And I am so happy with them. Like, they are really, really fun. And I'm very insecure about my sax playing. Uh, <laughs> I don't think of myself as a particularly good sax player. I'm better than someone who doesn't play the sax, but I don't think I'm like pro level. So it's kind of hard for me to listen to. You know how it is. Like you hear something yeah, you do yeah. or you read something you write and you're like, oh. you know, when the real oh, people yes. see this, they're going to be like, who is this asshole? But I am, I think, able to mostly get around that and hear these as good, fun tracks. And also they're supposed to be like 20% comedic as well. Mm -hmm. So there's questionable taste choices made on purpose uh, <laughs> all over. There's some uh, pan flute synth patches involved. As there should be. A lot of drum machine toms. Dooka, 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 kind of stuff. I feel like if you don't like drum machine toms, you have no soul. I agree with that. And I'm really, really happy about these. And you sent me some of these mixes and I haven't listened to them yet. I did send them to you, but that's fine. To but I, no I'm pressure. very excited too, because the stuff that you've sent me before has been fucking amazing. Thank you. Um, and those were like roughs. Those weren't even mixes. So these oh. are like the real deal. But yeah, it's nice that this is coming together. Should be out this fall. We should be finishing all the mixes in the next month or so. So I should know more. But I don't know how to, I'm going to put this thing out. It would take forever to like print vinyl or something. And right. I don't even know how many people would buy it. What about cassettes? That's possible. I don't know how long that would take. But the other thing is, I'm expecting this to be a 
huge financial <laughs> loss because anytime <laughs> someone's like, who's going to listen to this? I'm like, I don't fucking know. Nobody. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's it for? Like, it's not typical NSP music. I don't imagine there's a lot of overlap with our fan base, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of NSP, I'll just add a fourth peach. Unprecedented, I know. NSP is going on tour. We announced the tour. Tickets are on sale, so go buy. Whoa! NSP tour tickets, yeah. Congrats. Is there an LA show? There is. Can I can I get on the list for that? Nope. All right, I'll sneak in. <laughs> yes, you can get on the list. Of course you can get on the list. Cool, that'll be my first NSP show. I know, and it's a weird one for us. It's an acoustic show. We're doing me, Dan, uh, Super Guitar Bros, and Jim Roach, all of whom have been guests on this podcast. It's almost like I exclusively book our friends for this show. And I'm excited to play it. Yeah. To be fully transparent, it is a weird time to be selling tickets to a live show. Mm -hmm. Tickets in general are not moving as fast as they did. So we were a little, you know, a little concerned. Will people even show up for this? But so far, so good. Thank you to everybody who has bought tickets already and everyone who plans to buy tickets in the future. But it's, you know, anything that happens in the future, I don't know what COVID's going to be doing. Maybe everything will get fucked up. I don't think so. Mainly because people seem to not give a single shit about COVID anymore for some insane reason (laughs) that I don't grasp, but whatever. But, you know, maybe these will be rescheduled. I don't think so, but anything's possible in this pandemic world. So it's, you know, when you buy a ticket, it's a bit of a taking a risk, but people are buying tickets and that's very gratifying. And I'm excited to play this show. Wow. Yep. And on that note, I would also like to thank all, I won't say the number, all Single digit number of you who purchased a cum beanie. A cum beanie. Still for sale. the world. Shocking. Shockingly, we did not sell out of cum beanies. Yeah. I'm bummed. I guess we didn't include cummed. this on the uh, I'm cummed that making the cum socks and the patch for the hat kind of prohibitively expensive. Too which expensive. If, if, if the sales of this beanie are any indication, good probably move. good that we only had the single cum item. So when you make things, when you make merch... There's a cost to manufacture it, and then you have to sell it. And to sell the socks, they would have had to be like 30 bucks each. Yeah, and I won't pay That's like... too much for socks. I don't even think I'd pay $10 for one pair of socks. Like, especially, especially when they come... They say com, when they yeah, say come on exactly. them. <laughs> so we're all about trying to keep prices reasonable for you yep. folks. We pass the savings on to you. We do pass the savings on to you. Should we also say, like, just to force us to do this, that the Stay Safe, Come Hard Black Metal shirt is back. We're bringing it back. Or is it We're back bringing already? it back. You know what? It's back. It's back on the, yeah. It's, it's back. back. Go to the site. Late Merch. Wait, is it merch.latenight.com or latenight.com <laughs> slash merch? Hold on. I always forget if the merch. Merch.latenight.com yeah. or comestuff.com. Oh, yes, that's right. Of course, you can go to comestuff.com and just go to the Late Night. Or Bluetooth range extender.com, which actually might just go to regular late night. Did I renew that? <laughs> no, it goes to your fucking wiki page. Oh, nice. I forgot about that. I must have done that. <laughs> yep, there it is. Look at those puppies. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I guess I did that. I forgot. That really worked as a punchline on that, huh? I was going to say tote which is like toe and note, but mm-hmm. actually tote is a word because mm-hmm. it's a kind of bag. On that toe note, thank you everybody for being here. Yeah, thank you for joining in. Much appreciate folks at home 
listening to this show as usual, but especially when we are both, I would say, maybe run a little ragged by (laughs) our respective lives. Indeed. As we both currently are. And hope you enjoyed it. Hope you're doing doing good and stuff. Uh, go find some animal crackers. Yeah. Eat the fuck out of them. They're good for you. And buy a cum beanie. Come on. You know you yeah. want one. It's Seriously, cool. Come on. Come the fuck on. Cum stuff is cool. It's back in. <laughs> it never left. It's always in. <laughs> it's always in, going in. Or dripping out. Oh, fuck me. Was that what you were going to say? <laughs> Bye. Bye. Late Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore Night, or email us at LeightonNight at gmail.com.